Warning, what you're about to hear may contain mature language, adult situations, and depictions of graphic violence. Listener discretion is advised. Oh, here we are. (coughs) Well, look at us, Keith. Here we are again. You and me. It's almost Halloween. Back from the grave and ready to party. Uh, uh, Halloween. Happy Trashoween. Trashoween. That's right. This is that thing we've done before where we talk about movies and we call it Trashoween because this is the Trashy podcast. Yeah, the fun thing about shows is you do the same thing you always do, but then you change the theme and say you're doing something different. That's what I like yeah. about it. It's entertainment, it's a, baby. And then it's like a special, and people have to be like, oh, i got to check this out. Yeah, like in comedy, where people like just go to open mics every night or go do stand-up every night, but then they do a, a comedy special. But it's just them doing stand-up still. <laughs> right. They just have a different outfit, or and it's on TV. It's the same. It's it's the same bit, yeah. Yeah, it's like the Taco Bell menu. It's the same five ingredients. You just mix them up and then give it a different name. That's pretty much like almost every restaurant. Yeah. You know, it's like, it's just like, oh, I put this on top of here. Or like when you go there on what the special of the day is, it's just the leftovers. Oh, man, don't get me started on pasta. You don't like pasta? It's literally noodles, meat, and sauce just remixed in a hundred different ways. They change the color of the sauce. They change the color of the meat. They chop up the meat. They grind up the meat. They cook the meat longer. They cook the meat shorter. The noodles are, are, you know, the less noodles, more noodles. Maybe they put some, sprinkle some of that cheese dust on it. Are you a pasta hare? Yeah, I'm not into pasta. Oh, geez. Don't tell Francis. It's fine. Why would I tell Francis? Well, Francis loves pasta, making pasta. I love pasta. Me and Francis have more important things to discuss. That's true. More mold, spores, fungus, things of that type. The natural world around us. That's what we're interested in. That's true. You, 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 You can have pasta. Do you think maybe you just haven't had really good pasta? No, I just think that uh, the the combination of noodles, meat, and sauce is not that just doesn't do it for me. Like it's what fine. About? It's perfectly fine. I actually prefer a rather than an egg noodle, I prefer a rice noodle. So if you've ever had like Vietnamese food, right. They they tend to use the rice noodle. And it's uh fantastic. How do you feel about like say a chow mein? Uh that's also fine. Yeah. I'm just what? not crazy for it. That's all. all right. That's all. What about a what about a pasta bake like a big ziti or oh, something? Oh, definitely not. No, okay, really. No, that all that baked shit ends up just being like pasta pie. It's all just it's yeah. so much sauce and cheese and just What if you took an actual pie crust and filled it with pasta? Why not fill it with fruit instead and make a pie? Cuz we're making a savory pie. I love a digital or or pudding. Oh man, you put pudding in like chocolate pudding into a pie or a, mm-hmm. like a banana cream or a Ugh. some kind of lemon type biz like a lemon meringue yeah it could be meringue or it could just be like a lemon custard inside of a pie crust no no meringue do you how do you feel about meringue in general i like a meringue yeah i think it's a fascinating i'd love to know the how meringue 
was discovered. I love yeah, the, the backstory to Meringue. Because you really have to whip up those egg whites. And it was v- definitely invented before there were electric mixers. It seems a lot so, less accidental than a lot of other uh, foods or baking conventions. I, I don't know. I, it seems to me like some sort of sociopath was just... I'm gonna whip these. I'm gonna whip these egg whites up because it was like a sexual fetish for them, and then all of a sudden, it turned into, into meringue. Yeah, they were going beyond the limits of pain and pleasure in right. traditional baking, and they wanted to see how far they could take it. <laughs> a, a xenobite forced them to whip the eggs. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, this is this is past. This is not. We're not here ween. to talk about culinary perversion. We're here to talk about cinema. Oh yeah. So we're gonna talk cinema. about. A few movies for Halloween this year. We're going to talk about... Speaking of Mike Myers, though. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> I was just saying cinema, because that's how Michael Fassbender says it in Inglorious Bastards. Yeah. My absolute favorite scene is when Mike Myers makes his cameo, and uh-huh. they're they're briefing Michael Fassbender and like quizzing him about his knowledge of film. And every the way everyone is talking is just so brilliant. Like these, like really embellished, you know, English and British accents. And Michael Fassbender's like cinema, the German cinema, yeah, and just like dragging that word out, and it's magnificent. I also love his outfit, his like airborne outfit with the beret yeah. is mm-hmm. tremendous. And then Mike Myers, what does he say? Uh, he says he has so many great lines in that that little bit of dialogue, but he's like asks for a drink and he's like, "Oh yeah, bourbon, no shit in it." Oh yeah, no junk in it. Yeah, no junk in it. Yeah. I fucking love that. <laughs> uh, the Winston Churchill's just sitting in the background. Don't be modest, Lieutenant. List your accomplishments. Just tons of great stuff. Yeah, Churchill's mm-hmm. just sitting there back there, just like brrr, taking up space, sucking up all the oxygen. <laughs> <laughs> I, I watch that scene on YouTube like at least twice a week. It's great. Really? All right. Ooh. I was just like really giddy uh, when I f- saw that it was Mike Myers because just his appearance is like really nonsensical, but it's a lot of fun and it's really entertaining and it yeah. doesn't overstay its welcome. In fact, I mm-hmm. sort of wish he would have showed up again uh, mm-hmm. for some kind of callback or something, but he doesn't, so it's great. I mean, he does his job. He does what he needs to do to be there. Yeah. Unfortunately, Michael Myers shows up every goddamn Halloween to terrorize us all. <laughs> oh, my God. Yes, that's true. That's one of the movies we'll be talking about uh, this evening. That's one of the movies we'll be talking about here on Cisco and Ebert at the Movies. We got three movies lined up for our, this installment of Trashoween. Silent Hill from 2006, The Halloween Tree from 1993, and Halloween Kills from last week. From yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to be also bringing up some of the uh, really goofy shit that I've been watching. I wanted to ask you about that, if there was anything that you, before we get into the meat of this, if there's anything funny you've watched, anything bad you've watched. Well recommendations things for people to avoid trashween is such a magical time of the year and i know the the struggle to find balance uh is difficult for many because you're wanting to watch 
movies that get you into the spirit of the season. You're wanting to watch movies that have a fall vibe and a spooky vibe and remind you of your childhood and all the, the wonderful things about Trashoween, right? But then there's also these other movies that are legitimately scary that you want to watch. Yeah. Right? So people are watching things like The Shining. They're watching The Exorcist. Maybe they're watching Evil Dead, which I... I would say that's a pretty fall... That has a Halloween... I consider it more of a... Like a summer movie, to be honest. Because they're going on a cabin vacation. Sure. It's tough. You know the weather is cold, if you know anything about the filming of Evil Dead. But... The characters are wearing like flannel shirts and pants, and one character is wearing like a puffy jacket. Yeah, that's 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 a uh, that's not summer. That's that's a uh, early fall. Yeah, you know? it definitely is. But who goes to a cabin in early fall? What kind of a maniac does does such a thing? Maybe Evil Dead Two seems more of a like a Halloween movie because it's such like a just like a goofy monster mash. Yeah, and there's like wind type. and it's mostly yeah. set in the dark and yeah, it definitely has more of a that vibe. But yeah, that really is the aim, right? How do we how do we find those movies that like give us those Halloween feelings? Because despite there being a lot of those movies, and and now more so than ever movies that are set on Halloween, uh, most of them missed the mark. And so I kind of went searching for some alternatives. I said, well, okay, if I can't find a movie where it's just people in costumes wandering the streets with leaves blowing in their face, uh, maybe I can look elsewhere uh, and find some flicks that uh, will still do it for me, right? And I'm here to tell you that I didn't find shit. Oh no! <laughs> I, in fact, I've watched a lot of awful, uh, not entertaining movies this Halloween season. I don't want to talk uh, too much about those, but I will say, well, there's one that really stands out as just absolutely an awful nightmare of a movie. That movie is 2019's Trick, movie by the name oh, of Trick. I think I remember uh, seeing like a. Is it on Shutter? I think it's on it's Shutter or Hulu or whatever. Directed by Patrick Lussier, who I have liked some of his films. Uh, he did uh, My Bloody Valentine 3D. Oh, and Drive Angry, right? Yeah, Drive Angry, which I like both of those movies. So those are pretty enjoyable movies. This is not, however. This movie stars Omar Epps, Jamie Kennedy, Tom Atkins, and a bunch of other yahoos. And it is just the dirt worth. It's called Trick. Because a young man named Pat Trick, who his oh, friends no. call oh, him no. Trick for short, because they can't be bothered to say two syllables, uh, he inexplicably glows, goes insane and kills someone during a game of spin the bottle on Halloween night while wearing a, a mask. The mask has this interesting gimmick where it's got two sides. Like one is kind of like a happy face like a Mm -hmm. pumpkin scary but happy face and then the back is a scary pumpkin bad face and so when he kills he switches it around to the scary face but it is just the worst type of slasher where there's no suspense there's no like vibe or energy to anything it's literally just 
frantic stabbing and it's like every every single kill is just here's 10 stabs really fast and in between is like some weird video game style like half-assed martial arts sort of like running up the wall and the 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 killer has like a big hood it's like it's if you're familiar with any modern video games it's like the video game version of what's cool like a small fast character with a mask and a big hood and they're doing parkour and just all kinds of nonsense. It's, have you have you noticed in modern video games that all the like the bad guys look like a monster energy drink? Oh yeah, definitely. With a, a monster energy drink with a soul patch or a, yeah. a chin strap beard. Like if you humanified a monster energy drink, that's what it would look like. Yeah. And I'm I mean I get the from their standpoint, right, you have to create a lot of exaggerated characters and personalities, right? V- sure. Video games are in these hyper hyper existing realities and that's fine but in this case this is a movie like i wasn't playing the game right Right. i I would be forgiving if i was actually playing this and having fun with it but i wasn't i was watching it and it was just so boring and there is no memorable kills and then they go for a, a big twist that's fairly obvious early on that just kind of is like an eye roller and falls flat and is just Oof, it's awful. It's mm. terrible. And I was, I forced myself to finish it because I was like, I'm going to, I'm, I'm not going to abandon this. I want to see it all the way through to the end, but it just really killed the fucking vibe. That's so, too bad. I did watch uh, Hack O Lantern finally. Hack O Lantern. Oh, yeah. Have you heard yeah, of yeah. This? yeah. I've seen bits and pieces of it. It seems fun. It's nutty enough that it's entertaining, but it is obviously, it's not a good movie by any stretch, but it is, it's got wacky music, wacky effects, wacky performances, and uh, a completely wacky plot that in a lot of cases, it feels like there's a bunch of scenes just missing from the mm-hmm. movie, which is great. That that yeah. at least uh, gave me something to do. It like, seems like it's a movie because I've like I said I've only seen some bits of it that you could just like kind of like walk in and out of, like turn it on. And if you got up to go get a snack, you don't necessarily need to pause it because something is weird is constantly happening and none of it makes any sense. Uh, because not because it's it doesn't make sense the way like a like an art film doesn't make sense or like a, uh, a giallo it doesn't make sense, but just because of the level in, of incompetence. Yeah, this is it a movie is, with not much to say, but it does yeah. it does ride the wave of a satanic panic. Uh, there's yeah. like a satanic cult in it that's really interesting and fun. There's even you know there's some characters with wrestling with uh, PTSD and and grief and things like that. So you know there's something here. You know it, it's not nothing, uh, but it's not quite the the Halloween movie you might think it is based on the movie the poster name. or yeah. yeah or the title or anything. Hack like lantern, that. yeah. Yeah, I'm not even sure why it's called that, but just to cash in it, you know, it's it's capitalism, that's why. Hell yeah, baby. Yeah, that came out in nineteen eighty eight. And I mean it's eighty seven minutes long, so it was like a breeze yeah. to sit through. I was totally. totally I was fine with it. Well, let's see. I don't got a. Uh, uh, I've been doing. Uh, I've been getting home late from work and starting up like bad movies. You're just, just watching long. sexy thrillers, aren't you? Well, I was watching a lot of those like those sexy thrillers, um, uh, like the home invasion, domestic thrillers, if you will. <laughs> 
Uh, I watched one that, man, I was really disappointed in. It was called Lakeview Terrace. Oh, yeah. Starring Samuel Jackson and Patrick Wilson and uh, uh, Carrie Washington. Yeah. Yeah. That movie did not deliver on anything that it promised. It was just more like, it was, it wasn't, it wasn't. <laughs> there is no view of the lake or a terrace. I don't know. There was a swimming pool. Um, but if you recall, uh, the, 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 when this movie came out, it was all like, oh, I've moved in next to this guy and he hates me and blah, blah, blah. And yes, that is true. But what mostly happens is just a lot of talking in between things. And then at the end, it kind of amps up a little bit. But man, not so great. Um, don't recommend that. Um, but, you know, I've been um, I've been getting off work late and then I'll start up something and then I'll like a, like some B movie from the 80s uh, and fall asleep. And that's a lot of what I've been doing. I, I will recommend there's a new streaming service from Arrow Video called Arrow Play, uh, that I highly recommend for a genre horror streaming service. It's only like four bucks a month. It's really cheap. Tons of great stuff on there. And there's a, a large variety. There's like really schlocky sh- stuff. There's more prestigious stuff. Um, good, A good mix of different genre films. Tons of foreign stuff if you're into like Asian horror, Asian genre films, and it's not. And they also have like gangster movies and stuff like that. Westerns, really good. In terms of things to recommend, uh, I started. I've not finished it yet, but I started watching that new series, Midnight Mass. Oh yeah, how's that one? It's really good uh, thus far. I mean, like I'm about halfway through, and highly recommend it at this point. So, uh, Mike Flanagan directed, wrote and directed it. Who? most famous for he did the that haunting of hill house show it was a big hit on netflix he did dr sleep did a great home invasion domestic thriller if you will called hush he even oh, did yeah. like hush a, is really good yeah he even did a what was it ouija origin of evil which is not a great movie and he obviously was just taking a job but it's way better than any movie based on a ouija board should be yeah, I remember that movie having like a little bit of wave of hype around it as like kind of like a sleeper, like oh, you got to check Ouija Origin of Evil. It's better than it, way better than it has any right to be. Yeah, it's not great, but I was just like, oh, this is well made and competent. There's a couple like really good like scares. So yeah, I would really recommend Midnight Ma- Midnight Mass. I mean, I think it's gotten like good reviews and whatnot, and people like it, but it hasn't. It didn't blow up the way like uh, Haunting of Hill House did. Uh, and it's similar in tone. It's kind of very like methodically paced and much very like about, you know, inner, not just about, uh, it's about the inner workings of these diff- group of people and whatnot. I like it a lot. I, I mean, thus far, like I haven't watched the conclusion. I like it more than, uh, Haunting of Hill House at this point. I would even say we could do a whole, we could, if you watched it, we could do a whole show just on it and take it apart episode by episode, but um, really, really good. To avoid, 100% to avoid, I watched Under the Skin. You know that movie? Wait, that's not the one where she eats the bag of experimental drugs, right? No. That's the other one. That's the other I, Scarlett Johansson movie. That's Lucy. Lucy, and yeah. she turns into she... a computer at the end. Right, yeah. No, this is a, she's, it's like Scarlett Johansson, and she's like some sort of alien in a human skin suit. Right. Uh, like, like, like seducing men and then putting them into a black pool of something, and then like sucking their bodies out or something. 
it has some cool visuals here and there, uh, but this movie fucking sucks. And what I hate about this movie the most is that it's a movie that will trick certain people into thinking it's good because it just has that certain feel that a lot of like serious horror or serious sci-fi has. And it does have a, a couple like legitimately good visuals so someone can watch and be like, oh yeah, this is so cool. This is great. But it's just a bad movie yeah it's got that style where it sort of fools you into thinking it's smart right not to be confused with say like um you know movies like beyond the black rainbow or mandy that are really stylish but they're they're giving you uh everything right they're not they're not trying to say something more than what is presented to you in the movie right i mean this would yeah exactly i think this would movie would be like if you were putting it in with lumping it in with other movies stylistically or tonal wise, you put it in there with movies like uh, Hereditary, The Witch, The Lighthouse, you know, those types of like just like slow paced, well shot, a serious, uh, quote unquote serious yeah. horror movies. But it's yeah, it's like it doesn't deliver on any of that. It's just trying to trick you into thinking that it's good by being in that style. And it fucking is awful. It's boring. I ended up fast forwarding. Like I, I was watching it. Read, read the plot of what happened. Ended up just fast forwarding to the end and watching the end. And let me tell you, like I watched about an hour of it before I, before I decided just to skip ahead to the end. And I read about what happened. I was like, oh, nothing happens. Literally nothing, because for the first hour, it just repeats the same exact scene with, with no real development going on over and over and over again. And God, I hated this movie. I hated it so much. So steer clear. And I was, this is a movie I'd wanted to watch for a long time. I was like, I'm finally going to watch it. I'm looking forward to this. And I was, ugh, it's don't funny do it. how there are some movies that are really sparse and not a lot happens, but it doesn't feel like nothing's happening. Right. And then there well, are other movies that are, are, are in the same, same vein but you can feel right away that it is repetitive and nothing is right. happening and it's just kind of spinning its wheels. There's a, there's a difference between not a lot happening and absolutely nothing happening. Yeah. And I think that's the key that's the key difference there. It's like sometimes a little thing is drawn out over an extended period of time but there actually is a character development and arc and whatnot which there of eventually is in this movie too but it's all just kind of like tacked on towards the end after just like all this extraneous scenes that don't add anything don't don't uh make you care i had like zero investment zero investment i hated it well that is too bad Mm-hmm. that is unfortunate speaking of movies i we hate should we get into the or movies I hate. Should we get into the meat of this episode? Not yet. I, there's okay. a couple more things I want to talk okay. about. Because first of all, I want to say that I grew up with the Burbs playing on television all of the time. Always on. And there was something about it that I liked as a kid. And I don't know exactly what it was. It's just a well. I like whatever Joe Dante is doing for the most part. Uh, if he's making a movie, I'm probably enjoying it. Mm-hmm. But the Burbs is such a weird, and I'm just bringing this out of nowhere, but I put this on while I was working uh, the other day, and I, as a grown adult man 
who just came off a three-year stint of living on a a block not unlike the one in the burbs it is so relatable now it's crazy this idea of like the heart of suburbia and what people do like their customs and their their routines and the way they think and talk like it is perfectly encapsulated by that movie and i was so entertained by it specifically the first half kind of leading up to their meeting with the neighbors uh and then the very end because tom hanks actually he did, he has a like a pretty great role here and has a lot to work with and by the end he is absolutely like at his wits end he's been blown up and even he has a line at the end where he's like i've been blown up take me to the and he like lays down on a gurney and then he (laughs) then he freaks out because they won't take him he picks up the gurney and throws it in the back of an ambulance and then goes down and lays in it (laughs) i mean i can see how this is relatable to you because there was that time you did discover some of your neighbors were cannibals yeah and they weren't even from a a country of mysterious origin no no they were just like from like wisconsin or something locals yeah it's a great movie and the fact that tom hanks plays a you don't you don't ever find out what his job is, right? He lives in in the suburbs with his wife Carrie Fisher and his son who's like seems like a perfectly nice kid. No one's unlikable here. But he's got some kind of a job that makes him stressful. He's he talks about having an ulcer previously and he has a hard time relaxing. He's on vacation. He took the week off of work and he doesn't know what to do with himself. He plans on just sitting around the house watching sports. But his wife is like, no, we need to go on a trip and get away. And they have lots of arguments about it. Like, it all feels very normal and relatable. And then he's got his wacky neighbor who's kind of an instigator and a shit disturber. And Bruce Dern plays his uh, ex-military neighbor with a trophy wife. And then Corey Feldman plays a rowdy, long-haired teenager who listens to loud music uh, and, you know, talks like a surfer. Like, there's just all kinds of stuff to like about this whole place. Like, it feels like a living, breathing neighborhood, and lots of hilarious situations present themselves. It's great. I like the bird. I think after they meet the neighbors, the the mysterious Klopex, it kind of stalls out for a little while until the the finale. But uh, overall, uh, that first half... The, these dudes getting together and spying on their neighbors and everybody's watching what everybody's doing and gossiping and all that stuff was hilarious. It's a, it's a classic for sure. It's totally, it's a, it's a lot of fun. Based on how everyone's dressed and the weather and things like that, it's not really a fall movie, but for some reason it's like I associate it with fall anyway. Yeah. So I don't know. I can see that, you but know, I, I just, mean, it's ha- it has, I think it has, it has that eerie vibe, like particularly the house, you know, next door just looks like the monster's house or something. And, you know, it's got that vibe to it. Yeah. And I think the weather actually changes as the story progresses. So mm-hmm. as the story gets kind of spookier and the stakes get higher, uh, when night comes around, it gets windier and spookier and the, the moon is out and all that kind of stuff, which is cool. That's the yeah. kind of filmmaking stuff you don't really see anymore, you know? Totally. Also, I mean, like, one was, wouldn't it be cool to see Tom Hanks make another one of these goofy comedies that he made back in the 80s? Oh, yeah, definitely. Instead of sort of these prestige, like, biopics and shit like that. Mm-hmm. 
Like, which is, which, that's well and good. Like, it's, obviously. Yeah, it's fine. Yeah. Obviously, he, like, leveled up to a point where he was, like, I, I can do, I can perform at the very highest level. And that's all well and good. But, yeah, like, let's get back to, like, a, just kind of a screwball. Well, I guess he kind of did that with um uh, the Lady Killers, which, unfortunately, is, like, one of the Coen brothers' weakest outings as directors. I don't know but anyone he, that saw it. I Oh, you have never seen it? No. It's not great by any means. It's not terrible. I think it got. I think it kind of got uh, maybe uh, like trashed a little bit more than it deserved, just because it was a Coen Brothers movies, and so everyone was expecting you know it to be as good as most of their output. I don't think anyone knew what it was. Right. I remember the trailer um, coming out, and I was like, "What is this?" Yeah, it's basically like they're they're digging they they're digging a hole from this old lady's house to a casino to rob the casino and it's a bunch of weirdos it's a heist movie it's three thousand yes. miles to graceland pretty much and it's it's a remake of a like a, an alec guinness movie from the 60s uh and it seemed to me like a movie that they probably did to like raise money for a different movie type of deal um or like fulfill a studio contract right yeah something like that because like this and the intolerable cruelty which is also not like a terrible movie came out around the same time but they're definitely lesser outputs f- from the from the from the Coens but the movie is not bad like it's not it's it's definitely one of their weaker movies but it's it's fairly it's entertaining enough and uh Tom Hanks is pretty funny in it he's like a re- playing a real weirdo so I guess he did dip his toes back into that a while ago and it didn't go great so he's like fine I'll just play Abraham Lincoln again yeah I guess he never played Abraham Lincoln, but you, no. get, you get the idea. I mm-hmm. knew what you meant. Like, we'll get into the, the real, like, tr- meat of the trash but I want to just quickly mention there's two movies that I am really excited to watch soon, and I wasn't mm-hmm. able to catch them in time for this episode, but they both look really cool. Well, what are those, Keith? One of them is called Super The Super Deep. What's Oh, I haven't heard of that. Yeah, it's a Russian movie. I first Oh wait, no no no, maybe I had. I think I was I meant to tell you about it because I know you like those underwater horror movies. Well, I first saw this on Shutter, right? Just scrolling through thumbnails. It has the fucking lamest thumbnail. It looks so generic and doesn't look like anything. It's literally just an image of a a woman with a dive suit. Right. right? Yeah, it no, looks I'm like I'm looking generic at... adventure movie or who the fuck knows? Like, there's absolutely no reason for me to stop and even read the description of this movie, right? I saw some, like, random article, uh, or no, it was a, a YouTube video that was, like, Creature from Super Deep Explained or some bullshit like that. Mm-hmm. And the thumbnail of that showed the nature of the beast, like, someone infected with some kind of, like, virus that's creating like scar tissue and growth and like just like genetic anomalies and then i read the plot synopsis and then i looked at a couple of stills and i was like holy shit this movie looks awesome i watched the trailer it looks awesome it just looks like a cool like very comparable to like uh deep star six or leviathan or yeah something like the thing underwater whatever you want to call it I'm not saying it's going to be as great as those movies, but it, sure. if it's got all the same shit, I want to see it. Like it looks looks pretty solid. 
Mm-hmm. So I'm pretty excited for that. But were you? Did you have an awareness of it? Uh, yeah, I'm looking at it now, and I remember I did see like the the thumbnail on Shutter or something, and I was that like, makes "Oh, I should me tell." Keith. So mad, they should know I, better. I was like, "I should, I should tell Keith about this," and then I think I just forgot. But I'm glad you discovered that it existed on your own. I had to do so much legwork to find out that it was might be good, and that's so irritating. It's so frustrating that like, there's so many movies, and uh, Tubi, I'm looking at you. There's so many movies that are not very good that have incredible uh, thumbnails and promotional artwork. And then there's movies like this that are going to get lost, lost in the river of time because it looks so generic and so bland Yeah, that there's no reason for me to, to even look any deeper than the, you know, beyond the title. And that's very disappointing. So shame on you, Shutter. Shame on you. But I'm gonna yeah, walk definitely watch that at some point. And then the other movie that I'm really excited to watch is a movie called Gretel and Hansel from 2020. Yeah, early 2020, like before the pandemic hit, right? Yeah, I think so. It just sort of quietly came out, and from the trailer, it definitely has that grim fairy tale like folk tale vibe like same as the mm-hmm. witch or uh, the apostle or any anything like that which is i love that vibe and that energy and that atmosphere mm-hmm. and it looks it looks good like it looks something in line with any of the a24 films you know right. which they those all look nice and are are well photographed um but the the cool thing about the setup here and the reason it's titled Gretel and Hansel is because it's a twist off the uh, the fairy tale. And in this story, the witch isn't trying to eat the kids. The witch is trying to recruit Gretel to her cause and turn her into a witch. And they're going to try to eat Hansel and bake him into a pie. So it's like a family project. What a twist. Yeah, I think that's great. I'm in. I'm all I'm on board for that. It looks like I got my fingers crossed. I don't want to get my hopes up too high, but I I have a feeling that I'm going to I'm going to watch this a, at least a few times. I remember it looking like a like a fun movie. Uh, and then I like you you actually mentioned that the other day like you sent me like the, the trailer and I had completely forgotten that it was a movie that came out probably just about because of when it did because I think it came out like in February of 2020. Well right there's also about 10,000 movies with this same title. Totally, yeah. Like even beyond the ones you can think of. I was having a conversation with a friend about it and I looked up that just a sheer volume of Hansel and Gretel themed movies. And that list is just expansive. And oh, they're, they're just, all of varying quality, obviously. But. Right. Just from my childhood, I can remember, like, without any, like, specifics, like, oh, this one was this or that one was that, but watching various live-action or animated adaptations of that. And most of them, I'm, I'm sure, were just, like, made for television, uh, like, specials or whatnot. But, yeah, I mean, there was tons of those that I watched when I was a kid. And that's the reason that you've never been baked into a pie. And eaten. I know the warning signs. I know how to outsmart them. I, you know, I'm, I'm ready. Yeah, it's exactly like when 
Corey Feldman hands Corey Haim that vampire comic in Lost Boys. Precisely, and yeah. He's like, I don't like horror comics. And he's like, you'll like this one, Mr. Phoenix. It could save your life. I exactly. Love I love the way he talks in that movie. Yeah, that was a good impression, too. Like, I thought yeah, I thought for a moment I was actually talking to one of the Frog Brothers. <laughs> hey, it's me, Edgar, or Alan Frog. I forget which one I am. I have no which one's which. I'm the one with the Rambo-style headband. Yeah. I also cut the sleeves off my shirt, Mr. Phoenix. But yes, that is why That's I'm it. prepared. I am prepared for witches yeah. in any in any scenario. What do they got? Nothing on me. Damn straight. What I was not prepared for was Silent Hill. Okay, here's the thing. <laughs> I'm pissed off at you, Keith. I'm ex- I'm, like, I'm actually really I'm interested. Vici- I'm I'm viciously mad at you. <laughs> I'm really interested to hear what you have to say because I'm like uh, lately I've been obsessed with the movie interpretations of non-fans of properties and mm-hmm. this was kind of spurned on by Halloween but also some other movies. What is it like for someone who knows nothing of an existing property to watch a sequel or movie adaptation like mostly cold? Like what does the reaction look like? What does this movie even look like to someone? Because I'm, I'm very familiar with the the 1999 video game of the same name and yeah. its sequels. So a lot of this stuff I was excited to just to see in a movie. And as far as video game movies, this is pretty good. This is actually kind of higher higher tier in in that subgenre. But I really want to know what your reaction to it was as someone who is only vaguely familiar uh, with that existing property. Right. I'm going to change the theme song of the show to the Silent Hill theme just to cheese you off. Oh, my God. You're going to get cheesed off. So, yeah, I had played uh, one of the Silent Hill games. I think it was Silent Hill 2 a long time ago. So I wasn't completely blind to it. But yeah, pretty you much. Only like, vaguely remember that. Yeah, vaguely remember. Like I remember you asked me which one I played, and I was like, I played one of them and kind of described it to you, and you're like, Oh, that's Silent Hill too. I didn't even know which one it was. It barely did. It barely. I had to. I had to make a little bit of a leap to identify it because your a description was just. But no, but that's it, it was like, like you. It was like talking to someone who saw Bigfoot. Well, that's that. I mean, we could talk about that that experience a different time, Keith. But I, I told you I wasn't ready to reveal that to uh, the world. Um, but no, I did actually go and look up the games and figure out that that was indeed the one I played. Uh, I fucking hate this movie so much. This movie is over two hours long for no reason, and it's just miserable. It is a uh, loose uh, adaptation of the game storyline. It's kind of a hodgepodge. Um, and it, it definitely, it doesn't take long to just devolve into one of those movies where characters are just running after each other, shouting each other's names. Right. And I, for some reason, I had this notion in my head and I think it was because it was just a, like a pretty well-made movie, not a particularly well-written movie or performed movie, but just well-made that it. In in my brain, it it sort of burned this image of it being better than it was, and 
I think I kind of landed in the same spot that you did, unfortunately. <laughs> so when you say well-made movie, do you mean poorly made movie? Because No, I mean like well-photographed and well-shot. Like the camera movement and the images oh. and the production design is... I, I think there's some incredible imagery in this movie, but the unfortunately you can hear the character is talking and uh, right. that's a real problem. Yeah, that is a real problem. Um there maybe is like some yeah, some good sets and whatnot here and there. This movie is loaded with atrocious CGI. Uh even in the first scene, like just those CGI cars that shot that are going past Sean Bean. Um Oh man, don't get me started on Sean Bean. Right out of the gate we're introduced to the human beings that we're supposed to identify with and, and support. And they live in the fucking douchiest house imaginable. Yeah. And doesn't this movie also like when it starts, doesn't it feel like, Oh shit, I missed the first 15 minutes of this movie. Oh yeah, definitely. Like it starts, you're just like, wait, what? Huh? Like I'm, I'm starting mid scene, like, like halfway through the first act. Uh, which this little kid, this little girl running across the street, trying to jump off a cliff and yelling Silent Hill. And let me tell you, this kid sucks. I would 100% let this kid run away. Like, I would not go after her if they're like, oh, where's Julia? Like, uh, I don't know. I don't know where she is. She definitely didn't run across the street and then jump off a cliff. No, that little girl is not a good actress and she is not likable. And the fact that she yells out the mysterious information and the title of the movie in the opening scene is just kind of. <sighs> also though, you get that first flash of silent Hill in the opening scene and it looks a lot like Mordor. Oh yeah. And then I'm like, and then Sean Bean pops up like right after that. I'm like, is he reprising his role of Boromir? Nope. He is in the role. He was born to play man wearing jacket. <laughs> seriously like the characters in this movie are so bland which is uh, it, it's disappointing too. see because from my perspective the characters in the game had there's plenty to work with there's lots of in fact there's way too much story for a, a singular character to have so there's pl they had plenty to do uh and unfortunately they just chose to include nothing I, I don't want to get too much into my opinions. I want to keep hearing right. what you have to say about it as someone just watching this movie mostly cold. Well, so me, th this this uh, this is not a movie. Like you said earlier about like, uh, you're talking about Trick. You're like, oh, this isn't a movie. It's a video game. And that's the same thing here. This is not a movie. This is a video game. And obviously it's a video game adaptation, but it falls into the traps that most video game movies do and just kind of amps them up, which is the thing. It's like, it recreates things from the video games. Exactly. Where it's like, Oh, I went into a room and now I'm surrounded by these things that I have to squash. Well, that works in a video game because you're the one squashing them. But if you're just watching someone step on something or hit it with a bat 90 times, um, it feels repetitive. There's in the video game, you are exploring the town. So you instantly walk into this ash town and you're instantly like, okay, well, I'm the searcher if, and I'm going to go through and open these doors. And you're, you're an active participant, not, a, not a, um, a passive viewer. As a passive viewer, watching those things play out exactly the way they do in the video game is incredibly dull. The instant they get into the silent, like, like the, there's no setup or build up to anything. It's just like, 
the movie starts, you're in Silent Hill, I'm in this weird ghost ash town, and no one seems that weirded out by it, you know? But before we get in too deep into the town, I just want to touch on the gas station scene with the when the, the mom first encounters the police officer. Oh, yeah. And the police officer starts hassling her and being highly suspicious. Right. And... For no reason. Yeah, it's so out of the ordinary, as if this police officer has never heard a child uh, fussing and throwing a tantrum with their parent before. Because aside aside from the little girl being bothered, there is no reason for this officer to be suspicious of this woman. Well, the daughter is also throwing a, a tantrum and fussing, but then immediately turns to the mother for comfort. Right. Right? It's not like... She's in the stress because of her of the mom character, right? She's in the stress about something else and goes, "Oh, mom, I, I don't like it." And like, "Can I have a hug?" And like, turns to the mom for comfort. So the way I'm viewing this scene is like, "Oh, this is a mother being motherly and taking care of her kid." The way the cop views this scene is like, "Hmm, I better check this out for no reason." But then also like. Characters just do shit that make no sense. Like, so then after that, like, she leaves and the cop tries to pull her over for no reason. But then she also just, like, hits the gas and runs for it. Why? Like, what's going to happen? Because she saw the sign to Silent Hill and she thinks if she goes there, it's going to cure her daughter of insomnia. Right. I understand that why she wanted to go to Silent Hill. It's science. But, like, the cop would have come over and asked the daughters, like, everything okay? And she would have said, yep. And I was like, okay, well, good. You can go to Silent Hill now. But instead, she decides to run. And that's literally the only reason why that scene is in there is for a reason to, for the cop to follow her to Silent Hill. Exactly. That's it. That's it. So, and it's 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 such lazy filmmaking and, and screenwriting. Like you just said, like, like, oh, bad writing. This is an Oscar-winning screenwriter who wrote this movie. Wow. Really phoned this is it ro- in. This is Roger Avery, who co-wrote Pulp Fiction, wrote Silent Hill. Oh, right, yeah. Oh, man. This uh, this is the same director of as that movie Brotherhood of the Wolf. Yeah, Christoph Gans. Which also sucks. That movie is also trash. Uh, but it has some great visuals. Yeah. <laughs> the, Does it? Yeah, I man. They have those collars that zip up over their faces. It's like a cross. <laughs> what? <laughs> they have collars? That's like... It's, it's a, like that's... It's a cross between a French, uh, like French soldier and a ninja. Like that's something we've never seen in movies before. Come on, man. <laughs> no, I mean I was watching that and I was like, why do these guys just know like inexplicably know like kung fu in 17th century France? And I was reading something that, like about why he got selected for to make to make Silent Hill, he petitioned like the uh, Sony PlayStation or whatever, whoever owns the rights to the game for five years talking about how important the game was to him and made like his little own little fan films. And they were finally like, yeah, you can do it. And this is what he came up with. This is what he came up with as his passion project. Yes. Like get out of here. Like if I was this passionate about something, I'd be like, well, it should be made for by someone else. Cause I'm going to fuck it up physically angry while I was watching this movie and I was directing all that anger towards you. I was trying to create a mental link between us so you could feel how furious I was watching this. 
I love reading about this too. Like, according to Christoph Gans, the first game captivated him with its extraordinary plot. It was so completely unique and absolutely frightening that it was worthy to become the basis for a real film. That is true. However, not very much of the first game's story is actually exhibited in this movie. <laughs> so what happened? I don't know, man. Here's the other thing, too. I can't really tell you what did happen in this movie. Not because I wasn't paying attention. I wasn't distracted. I wasn't, like, on my phone or anything. The movie was so dull that I just would, would catch myself, like, staring at the screen completely zoned out. No, it's, it's like, literally a, a character wandering from room to room, just yeah. looking at stuff. And then all of a sudden, like... The, the a plot shows up and there's like this like and it's the same tired thing where it's like oh we killed this little girl who was a witch or tortured somebody and she wasn't actually and she, she bad we the were whole we were, town uh, yeah well, blah 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 which which can be fine if well executed but if if not well executed it's just well, been let's done talk about so that. many times you let's know let's talk about that because what happens is the mother sees a little girl who looks exactly like her daughter. Mm -hmm. And she follows that little girl into some room and we everything fades out to white and a Super 8 film explaining the backstory of the, the murdered little girl plays. Yeah. And it's very strange. And it the narration makes me think that that scene looked different in the first cut and then they reshot that little super eight film and inserted it in order to make everything more clear and obvious. Mm -hmm. It's a very, it sticks out in such a strange way and doesn't really like, it doesn't fit with the rest of the movie. Like it definitely feels like an afterthought. I mean, I feel like, I don't know. Like, Everything feel like putting actors in the movie feel like an afterthought. <laughs> I you wish, know? I in a lot of ways, I wish that this movie had the same options as a video game. In most video games, you can control the independently. You can control the uh, the voices, uh, the sound effects, and the music. Mm -hmm. And if you could do that with this movie, I think it would help a lot. Like if I could turn the voices all the way down. Uh, put the sound effects kind of at medium and then leave the music up and just watch some of the visuals, I think it would be a lot better because I do think, I think the town looks beautiful. I think the buildings and the streets and the fog and the, the ash raining down, I think all of that's actually working really well. And when the mom ventures inside to the school and the buildings, uh, all that dilapidated and, and rusted, you know, look, uh, mm -hmm. is very authentic and atmospheric and just looks incredible. No, what's going to happen is you're going to pay for therapy to erase this memory of this movie <laughs> from my mind. Wait a second. Okay, let's talk about the some of the creatures and stuff real quick. Uh-huh. So unfortunately, from a story and character standpoint in the video game, the monsters are a direct correlation to the the main character's psyche, right? They're, they're right. psychological manifestations. So there's a right. reason that something is a thing. Here, unfortunately, it's a lot less specific and more general. So unfortunately, you don't get like the conceptual connection. But 
there is a cool ass uh, set piece with the janitor all fucking tied up in barbed wire in the bathroom stall and all folded up like a little present with a, a piece of paper or a key in his mouth. Yeah. Uh, I feel like that's pretty cool. And then he gets out and he starts crawling around looking all gross. Uh, and then he, he touches the wall and the wall turns into a bunch of weird shit. Yeah. I mean, that did none of that did anything for you. Just the guy all like what you're saying, all mangled up in there. The second he started to move, it did seem it seemed uh, like good idea, poor execution. And I do actually like you know when you find out later why who that janitor was and why he's there like that. Yeah, there are some moments where I was like, okay, like th- there's the idea is here somewhere. There's a, there was a moments of uh, inspiration here and there scattered throughout, but certainly not enough to. Uh, warrant a whole movie and then the one of the problem is like you're saying like in the video game these characters are manifestations of the person's psyche and stuff another thing you have to remember too is in a video game it's like okay you'll often run into the same like opponents like oh it's the the faceless you know blob again or it's this thing again and part of a video game is figuring out how to defeat a particular type of opponent and then later on in the game applying that knowledge to achieve another goal. When that just keeps happening over and over again in a movie, you run into the same problem where you're trying to recreate this thing from the game, but it's a different medium, so therefore it does not directly translate into a movie. It's like you can't just keep doing those things, those repetitious things that you have happening in a game in a movie because then the movie just becomes boring or silly. Or like, why are these things here again for no reason other than for it to be an ops, you know, a generic obstacle? I think you can make an excellent video game movie out of numerous video games that have been made. But the problem is that every the trap that everyone falls into is this. I guess I mean, is it fan service to try and like put in too many direct nods to specific like tasks that are in the video games i don't know like wh- why it hasn't been done particularly now when so many games are more cinematic yeah they're practically already movies right but you couldn't you can't have things like you can't have things in, in a movie where it's like oh 12 different boss fights you know like yeah you can't the movie can't just be progressing through a like stages to have another boss fight well, that, that that's well it could Ever heard of um, a little movie called Game of Death, which that's the ex- literal plot? <laughs> true, right? <laughs> or any but Van Damme I'll, movie, but I've, obviously that's a different type of movie. You know, and yes, and also, uh, you know, like in what's one of the things in video games is defeating the vo- boss requires a very specific set of things for each individual boss and you have to figure out the order in which to do something and to defeat this boss that doesn't translate well to a movie because it takes the drama out of the fight now you might be like defeat each boss uniquely but if you have to figure out the specific rhythm of like i gotta stab him in the knee and then i gotta poke him in the eyeball and then when he he's poked in the eyeball he's gonna roll onto his belly and then when he's on his belly i have to hit him in the belly with a pan and that's the way I deliver like actual damage. You know what a perfect example of what you're describing is, and I just mm. it just hit me. So uh, great job. 
uh, Predators, when Adrian yeah. Brody f- has that final face-off where he he creates the ring of fire and he's running around with the, the bone mm-hmm. uh, beating up the Predator, that feels 100% like a video game boss fight. It's that exact formula. Yeah, and, uh, and that works very well in a video game but doesn't necessarily tr- translate to the screen, particularly if, if you're doing that over and over and over and over again throughout the course of the movie. What did you think about pyramid head when the pyramid head figure shows up um he has a level of menace to him i remember him being creepier in the video game because when he shows up it's like he's kind of just like in the distance dragging his thing and it's slow and you like you there's always a feeling that you can get away from him but he's going to show back up again you know yeah where here it's just like he just kind of shows up and he's like kind of there and he's big and huge and he seems more like a like a like a like a like a like an action movie heavy than he does an actual horror movie monster. You know what I mean? Does that make sense? Yeah. It just seems like if you punch him hard enough, you know, you'll be fine. You just got to you just got to punch him, you know. This came out in a time where the game's kind of at a time where like it's not my favorite monster design era where creatures are just a little over-designed, you know, a lot of the time, uh, or too, a little too stylized. And for me, that makes them a little less scary, you know. It's kind of like we were talking about, I, I think I can't remember if it was the last episode. We were talking about it recently. But about how, like, a de- like a demon clown isn't as scary as just a regular clown. Yeah, they're putting too much mustard on it. Right, exactly. You know, so it's like... It's a hat on a hat. A hat on a hat. <laughs> Got it. It's a hat on a hat. So that's that's the way a lot of these it's creatures... A pyramid on a pyramid. <laughs> that's the way a lot of these creatures feel to me. Now, what about the scene where Pyramid Head shows up and grabs the woman by the skin and rips it off? That's cool, except that it's like a pretty bad effect. Like conceptually, it's cool. But and it throws the good. skin suit against the wall of the church. No, that's cool. Like, yeah, cool idea. Like, poor execution. Like, the CGI is pretty bad. And particularly since that's something that could have been done practically. Uh, oh, okay. Well, it could have been. I mean, it didn't even have to be like one take. Like, it could have just been like grabbing, showing blood arm comes up with a like a sack of skin and then throws it you know like you could with with creative editing like you could get away with like not even having an elaborate special effect and it would have been more effective it's true they could have had nine shots instead of three like the sexy nurse halloween costume yeah so that's a real stumble there because the nurses were very specific to you know, the character psychologically in Silent Hill 2, right? Which was mm-hmm. a man and there was, you know, he had a, all kinds of sort of complex emotions and that's why they manifested as sexy nurses. And mm-hmm. here, where the main characters are mom and little girl, no, that doesn't make a lick of sense, yeah. unfortunately. But once again, it's just like trying to be too close to the video game. You know, it's not like... Obviously, like you're making the, a video game movie, you want it to be like the video game, but there's this key word here, which is adaptation. And for an adaptation, you have to adapt, not transfer, you know? I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, there seems like to be 
such a for Christoph Gans uh, and to work with Roger Avery and for him to be such a big fan of the source material and just kind of stick things in at random is it's such a strange disconnect. I wish I knew more. I wish there was more information and backstory on the production. Well, I think what it probably boils down to, I mean, like it's just poor sensibility. Uh, you can love something a lot, but that doesn't mean that you're necessarily the person to adapt it. You, you know what I mean? Like you could be the biggest fan, but biggest fans aren't necessarily the people who are most suited to take the mantle and, and carry it on and create something new with it. Sometimes that can be a hindrance, even if they're talented filmmakers or artists of another genre, because they're so much in love with it. They can't veer from what's already occurred. Uh, and then the other thing too, is like sometimes you can recognize something cool. You can enjoy something cool, but you don't necessarily know what makes it cool. So therefore, when you try, when you try to make this adaptation, you are just grabbing at random things and throwing them all together, and being like, "Well, it was cool here, so therefore it's got to be cool over here as well, right?" You know, like there's, I see this a lot with a lot of filmmakers. The obviously can recognize a good movie, but don't necessarily know what makes it good. So they borrow from all these other movies, but then they just kind of like throw it in a blender and don't understand why it worked in their original source materials, you know? I was honestly looking forward to watching this, like, before I started it. I was like, oh, this will be fun. It's probably, like, not great, but it's probably a lot better than, you know, most people expect, and probably, you know, there's something fun, to, some fun to be had here, and I was, yeah, oh, man, it was just such a miserable slog. <laughs> yeah. I mean, okay, so ultimately, my question with this movie for you was is this a movie worth adding to your annual Halloween rotation? Oh, absolutely not. Like, I, I hope I never see uh, anything from this movie again. Although, from some sort of, like, weird masochistic place, I'm somewhat intrigued to watch the sequel that came out, like, 10 years after it. I am also interested in doing that because I remember watching it at some point, and I don't remember what the experience was. I actually saw the original Silent Hill in theaters because oh, I was really, really yeah. excited for it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the one the one difference though too is like if I uh, if I did watch that sequel, I, I would probably end up just turning it off if I if I felt the way I felt about <laughs> this one five yeah. minutes into it. You know what I mean? Like, man, what? Oh, God. All right. Well, yeah, that's. That's my final word on that. I Whoops. Sorry we spent so much time on that guy. <laughs> I really like it was weird. I just had all these sort of memories and feelings mm -hmm. about the imagery and yeah, I I had a similar reaction when I watched it. I was like, "Oh yeah, this is worse than I remember." Some of the the, you know, better looking and, and moodier and atmospheric moments can't really can't really erase any of that. So yeah, do not add Silent Hill to your annual Halloween rotation. Sorry, folks. So the next movie Swing we're going to talk miss. about is that Keith picked Silent Hill. This is a movie I picked, which is called The Halloween Tree. It's a kid's movie, you know, animated movie. 
we wanted to have, include a kids Halloween movie on this on this episode. Now let me give let me give you some uh, you know an idea of Keith's pick versus my pick. Keith picks this two hour and five minute slog of nonsense. Halloween Tree comes in at a breezy one hour and nine minutes. Silent Hill, dull, boring, miserable. Halloween Tree. Classless video game adaption for, uh, you know, mouth-breathing, uncultured swine. Halloween Tree. Fun, delightful, charming. Based on classical literature. From Ray Bradbury, who narrates the actual cartoon. It has the voice talent of Leonard Nimoy. What is the name of the old man? What is his? It's something like Captain Mushroom Pants or something. It's, it's his full name is Mister Clavicle Mounds Round. Yep, Mounds Round. Who is some sort of like? He's a mashup between like a ghoul and a witch and a rich eccentric. He essentially yeah. looks like Mister Burns from The Simpsons. Yeah, if Mister Burns looked like even worse and wore a cape. Yeah. But what did, so what did okay? So this is you know, kind of the reverse. I saw this movie when I was a little kid. Had this hadn't watched it again since. You had never seen this movie, right? I uh, you know I actually have. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, I remember this being on on television when I was a kid and seeing it. I didn't remember the details, but once it got going, uh, I remembered the the dead kid with the buck teeth being a, yeah. a local neighborhood legend and getting sick and uh even the the sort of the climax of how the kids save their friend right from a very common medical procedure (laughs) (laughs) appendicitis i love it i love that there's no stakes here for adults but when you're a kid and your friend gets sick or has to have something done to them it feels like the most important thing in the world so yeah what did you think what did you think of this as a whole i think it has a lot of charm it's beautifully Mm -hmm. animated in a you know in a Mm -hmm. classical style uh i read i haven't read a ton of ray bradbury stuff but i read something wicked this way comes about two years ago for the first time Mm -hmm. and I didn't start to really get it until about halfway through. Uh-huh. I, I wasn't really sort of too keen on what all the hubbub about Ray Bradbury was. And then I got about halfway through and it started to make sense. Because it yeah. really started... Like his notions of the the fleeting nature of youth and mm-hmm. how important it is to be a child and how everything that happens when you're a kid is... Is everything in right? Life. It's all it's, fresh and magical. Nothing and, yeah. more important, and you know, almost his like his fear of uh, getting older. Like getting older is sort of the the scariest thing that could happen to anyone. Right, and not like a fear of dying, just being an old. No, place, being just like, getting an adult. older. And yeah. I mean, in, in something that wicked this way comes, which is a, a movie I want to actually watch. I've never seen mm-hmm. his like the main character's father actually muses about just the trappings and the the sort of torture of being an an older man right and just being a sort of a prisoner in his own body and his mind not being as sharp as it once was and 
uh, falling into, you know, routines and the just the drudgery of daily life and not having that sort of that zeal and that energy anymore. And, and what a great tragedy it is. And I think you get you get a sense of that here, but it's not quite as as central. No, this is more of just like a, like a, an adventure slash educational uh, journey, you know. Yeah, but there are there are ideas of life and death. You know, you can tell that yes. the the this old man who has the the Halloween tree full of pumpkins that essentially have people's souls trapped in them is some kind of analog for you know the grim reaper almost right and you know this this group of kids their friend flies around through the movie as a ghost as if he's already dead right which you know yeah. leads us to wonder like has he died on the operating table during his appendectomy and mm-hmm. you know at the end do they just sort of you know hit him with an electric shock to bring him back right i'm not sure i'm not sure either uh i in terms of watching this movie now as an adult versus watching it as a kid, I definitely it's definitely something that doesn't necessarily translate as well. You know, like you watch certain things when you were a kid and rewatch them and they withhold all of their magic. That being said, I still think this is really well made. It's like a it, it, like you said, the animation is great. It's it's like watching a memory of a bygone era, and I've never read specifically like read like Ray Bradbury's actual short stories or books, but we, I've seen so many things that have been adapted from him. He had that Ray Bradbury theater in the eighties, which was like a kind of like a eighties, early nineties, which is kind of like a twilight zone type show, which was every episode was based on one of his stories. And I loved that show as a kid. And in this, like when he narr- he narrates it himself and the narration is his actual writing from the book. And there's, there's such skill in the prose and such, it's such poetically written it seems above the level of your average kids thing. And I really did like this, particularly as a child, because one of the the main thing is like they're trying to save their friend, but in the process of saving their friend, they're traveling through time and the world and learning about the origins of all these different Halloween practices. And also not just specifically Halloween, but other cultures version versions of it you know like they they go and they learn about day of the dead and then the practices in ancient egypt and basically the how every culture has this thing of this period where the dead come back to life and intermingle with the living for a day or two and the ceremonies around that uh and practices throughout the world so as a kid that was really cool to watch and learn all of that stuff because that was like a lot of times the first time i knew any of, was exposed to any of that stuff that was like oh there's a reason there's actually a reason why where the candy comes from and what all these practices are so that was a lot of fun yeah i actually really like that scene where uh uh clavicle mounds round or fucking cornstarch mars bar whatever his name is <laughs> <laughs> where he roasts everybody's costume and he's like yeah. hey fat boy do you know why you're dressed as a monster do you even know what monsters are all about you did yeah. shit <laughs> yeah and he's like hey uh glow in the dark skeleton don't you know that actual skeletons don't glow in the dark you fuck stick yeah like he really he really gives it to him and lets him know what's up and then instead of just being a jerk he actually takes them uh to different times and different places and 
helps them understand, yeah, the traditions of Halloween and what their costumes actually mean and why it's important to know these things. So they they get a they get a real crash course in Halloweening from uh, this kooky old man, which is uh, that's pretty cool. And he's it, like the he's like the original like internet know-it-all who's just like don't you know that this is actually this oh yeah 100 percent. yeah but he does have the benefit of experience although we don't know we can't confirm his credentials in any way so well i mean he does he clearly has a a power a magical power so i mean like yeah his only qualifications are that he does magic and he's the oldest man in the world, yeah, and it's, and seemingly seemingly has mastered time travel as well. So yeah, so those are pretty those are pretty good qualifications. Yeah, and I feel like I think maybe you know a modern viewers might f- feel like this is old timey uh, because it is, it is sort of like comes from an era of a certain level of corniness and yeah. kind of uh, you know the uh, the rose colored glasses of you know the 50s and norman rockwell and all that kind of americana where oh gee wasn't it it sure was a nice time to be alive during this period and everything was so simple and we didn't have any problems and right so in in that sense it might not be believable but i think it's it's kind of a nice piece of escapism actually to yeah think about the world in those terms and even if that wasn't really like that, you know, it's fun to just uh, inhabit that world for a while as a little bit of a break from uh, our modern hellscape. It, well, as I was watching, I was like, I got to read the book, you know, like yeah. I, it's, it's going to be more in depth. It's going to have all this other stuff. And like, it sparked my interest enough to go back to that. And I also kind of like, like thought about like, imagine this, like the way you said, this is only an hour and nine minutes. It was like a TV, like Halloween special from the early nineties. Imagine this is like a full feature length movie that was made with care and reverence for the source material. Like imagine if you imagine that you'd have like an instant Halloween classic on your hands. Would you now? I believe you would. I stand by that statement. (laughs) Sorry. I was looking up for a Bradbury short stories. You know, what's also something that really struck me when I'm watching this was when they go back to ancient Egypt, uh, the ancient Egyptians aren't drawn as white characters. Crazy. I was just like, wow. Like, cause you're watching like fucking what's that movie that came out like two years ago, like gods of Egypt and Gerard Butler's, you know, uh, playing an Egyptian Pharaoh. And it's just like, what, what? No, this is, this is ridiculous. Yeah. But this cartoon from the early nineties has been the only thing that come out of Hollywood that could actually get it right. Yeah, that's pretty cool to see. I mean, it's it's you know, it's not that hard either. No, it's not. It should just be a given, but like <laughs> I was it's like it's it just but it just struck me because it was like after seeing all these, you know, American-made movies that take place in Egypt where you have Elizabeth Taylor playing Cleopatra, you know, like you said up until just a few years ago Gerard Butler playing Ramses or somebody, you know. And white dude white dude white dude white dude white dude in ancient egypt you know and then like oh this cartoon got it right though from 1992 or whatever hell yeah so yeah i mean like i would recommend this particularly if you got kids they'll get a kick out of it it's educational but not in an annoying educational way 
Uh, it's a, it's not trying to trying to like disguise just a a, um, a a school book as entertainment. It's legitimately entertaining. So yeah, give yeah, it a go. It's sentimental in a charming way too. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I enjoyed it for sure. I don't know if you have any more to say about Halloween. Well, that's tree. that's too enthusiastic. Thumbs up for the Halloween tree. Yeah, two down, two up. Oh man. Which I guess we're coming into our final. The big one, Halloween event of 2021. Yeah, we're going to have to take a brief intermission before this one because it's going to be it's going to be an epic in no short yeah. order. Hopefully you didn't just give up halfway through listening to our, our Silent Hill rant and stuck it out for this. Yeah, but. I apologize. I want to apologize to everyone for that because I really – I had such a strange – that the the town of Silent Hill was calling to me. It was calling out to me somewhere deep within me, and I had to answer the call. And unfortunately, what was on the other end was awful. So sorry, sorry, everybody. But uh, as always, you know, give it a watch for yourself. Because who knows? You might look at this movie with completely different eyes, and this might be you know the movie that changes your life. So. It changed my life, but not for the better. Don't watch it, but watch it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> like watch, like watch a stack of Silent Hill DVDs burn in inside of a tire fire. Oh man! Please do not. Don't burn DVDs or tires. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> I can't imagine what that smoke cloud would look like. Uh, have you seen the? The, the David Lynch Dune. I never went out of my way to watch that. If it was on television, I probably saw it in in sections. So, like, every time there's smoke, it's these thick black clouds of smoke. And I was watching something recently with, like, the special effects guys talking about that and how insistent David Lynch was about how the smoke from, like, the battles and stuff had to be black. And the only way they could figure out how to do it was by burning t- <laughs> car tires. And they're like, yeah, you can't really get away with doing stuff like that anymore. <laughs> For all the right reasons, you've probably watched as many uh, special effects documentaries and videos as I have. And it's sort of upsetting sometimes to hear. Like what they did to achieve something. Yeah, because a lot of it was just like these long haired metalhead dudes just fucking around with chemicals right. to see what would happen. Right. And like some of it is just like, you know, there's that sort of semi-famous story of Rob Bottin on the set of The Thing. Oh, yeah, blowing everybody up. blew up up the set. Yeah. And, like, there was this awful chemical smell. And, like, and talking about how they, when the head stretches off the guy's body and, like, what all that stuff in there was. And, like, the effect is incredible. But, like, there's a good chance those guys were poisoning themselves. Or even sometimes it's just like, how did they do this? Like, well, we couldn't figure out how to do it like with miniatures. So uh, we actually just burnt down an entire jungle. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, a, and, a spe- now, like- and then like a species of bat went extinct because uh, we killed them all. Yeah. Yeah. That stuff. Is- and it's it's sad, too, because the, the like the explosions of, for the napalm scenes in Apocalypse Now are unbelievable like breathtaking shit like Mm -hmm. every time i watch i'm like i cannot fucking believe this and was it worth it i don't know man 
Same with like uh, house explosions, right? There's a really great house explosion in uh, Critter at the end of the climax of Critters. Mm -hmm. And then there's also one in Friday the 13th Part 7, The New Blood. Man, when that house fucking blows up, they got some incredible angles on that. And it is magnificent, but... Uh, yeah, at the same time, like, how many fucking owls and squirrels and deer did they yeah, <laughs> vaporize up, when they yeah. blew up that house? <laughs> yeah, I love practical effects, but, like, let's just cool it here, folks. Yeah. But, yeah, some of those guys, man, they they knew about, like, all these, like, polyurethane and all these chemicals from, you know, art, obviously, from sculpting and things like that. But then they're, like, they're just fucking around mixing them together yeah. and being, like, oh, yeah, we figured out that when you mix this with this... We can make like you know, this hard shelled exoskeleton to make it look like people were inside an egg or whatever. Good for you, but like, man, put on a fucking respirator or something. And then so. there's those times when you're doing stuff like that in a movie and you end up uh, decapitating a child while making the Twilight Zone movie. Well, you know, so. I mean, that was a whole ass helicopter. But it's the same point. It's like, how many kids got decapitated in the filming of that movie? One. H- how many is too many? <laughs> One. You know, it's like. You just to think about that, like some kid got his head cut off because they because for the Twilight Zone movie. That makes sense though, because I read a there was an oral history of the Blues Brothers mm-hmm. in it was like Rolling Stone or something like that, and there was literally a like part of the budget for cocaine. Because they were doing night shoots. And that story came from like... Dan Aykroyd? Yeah, it came from Dan Aykroyd himself. Like they literally like... That was the days when him and John Landis and uh, Belushi and all their fucking buddies were just like up doing blow all night for these night shoots. And it makes sense that John Landis like was all fucking goofed up and murdered some people on his goddamn... Not even a whole movie. Right. right, it's like it was it's just like, a segment of the a segment movie. Of, of an anthology movie. Yeah, it's like a ten minute scene in the movie. Yeah, man, like holy shit. And I get like the story is like kind of powerful, but it didn't need to be that powerful. No. Well, okay, I'm gonna go grab a glass of water because I'm gonna need to wet my whistle before we get into Halloween Kills. Yeah, let me look at my notes, of which there are at least 120 entries. There was I, I chose not to write down notes because as I'm one I just watched the movie I was like I don't want to be writing notes for this movie you know right now but I was just like as I'm watching I was like if I was taking notes there would just be too many so I'm just gonna have to go off of the fly yeah I watched but, it again last night and I was like holy shit all right I'm gonna grab that water I'll be right back tune in next time for the terrifying conclusion to Trashoween as we talk Halloween kills and until next time the dumpster is closed. This is the WWAR Special Bullet. Police in Haddonfield have just made the grisly discovery of three bodies in the upstairs bedrooms of this house. It appears that the murders took place sometime early this evening. Authorities have confirmed that all three of the victims are teenagers, two girls and a boy. Police are searching the entire area for a mental patient who escaped last night from the Smiths Groveborn County Sanitarium. 
He is now believed to be at large in Haddonfield. This is Robert Mundy, live.